0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Greater Alton Church. It's good to have you with us on this nice rainy day. Isn't that something? Look at it coming down. I love it. I love it. Uh, my name's Tim, and I'm glad you could be here this morning with us. We're in a series called Storyteller, and, uh, and we're looking at the parables or the stories of Jesus. And of, uh, I love telling stories. If you're around me very long, I'll tell four or five. I'll even get lost in them occasionally, and, and that happens to me all the time. And Jesus was a storyteller, so if you're a storyteller, you're like Jesus. There, isn't that awesome? Look at this passage here. This is a passage up here on your screen, not in the bulletin. Jesus used stories when he spoke to the people. In fact. He did not tell them anything without using stories. So every time he'd teach something, he'd have a story. Or the story would be the teaching in and of itself. And then he would elaborate on that. And so we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. And a parable, what is the purpose of a parable? What is a parable all about? Well, Jesus talked and told stories or parables for three reasons. One of the reasons he told parables was that he spoke in parables to tell parables to help people think, to make them think about things. So he would use relatable stories or he'd use something that would catch their attention and make them think. He'd use dramatic situations all to get them to think about their lives. The other, one, the other reason he told stories was to reveal and conceal. He would reveal and clarify what he was teaching, but also as he was clarifying, for some it felt like he was hiding it and really it was the condition of their heart that made it. Confusing to them and you may find sometimes that we're looking at these parables a little confusing well look at your heart look at your heart and then he told stories for another reason and that's to change lives what is it about hearing somebody else a story about somebody else that makes us so objective but when we're in the story we lose our objectivity what is that? What's that all about? You'll hear somebody doing something, you go, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. And you're doing the same thing. But you don't see it because it's in somebody else. It's a story about someone else. Remember David, the prophet Nathan, confronting David about his affair with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah? Her husband, and he tells that story about the two guys. The one guy had all this big flock of sheep, and he lived next to a guy that only had one lamb that he loved like a a daughter. And the guy with all the sheep had a guest come in and was hungry. And He says, "I'll I'll prepare you something. Let's have some lamb." Instead of using his own, he goes and uses the neighbor, the one that only had one, and kills it. And when David finds it out, he is livid. He loses it, blows his top, and he's like, "Oh, that man deserves to die." And he doesn't see himself. and then, of course, Nathan says, "You're the guy. You're the guy that did that." Oh my gosh! That's what parables do. They make you think. They grab your attention. But just remember, it's a mirror, and somehow it's going to make its way in front of you. And that's what I hope that this this series has done. It's made you think. How many of you have benefited from this series? Have you benefited from it? Has it made you think? Me too. You know what I used? To, I, I've been a Christian now for so long, I quit counting. And I've read my Bible cover to cover now several times. I'm I'm going through it for my seventh time as, as as a Christian man. And I'm amazed at how many scriptures I come to, I've already got my mind made up of what it's supposed to say. And going through these parables... Uh, and you know Gary and I and, and, and Alan will sit down and we'll talk about these parables and we'll we'll look at these because we're, what we're after is what is the true meaning what is Jesus really trying to say because a lot of times guys we'll read a passage and we'll pick certain things and and not and overlook all this other stuff that we need to learn and so I've been really be- I've benefited so much from the parables these last several weeks you know we're only in our second series of sermons we're probably only going to do three series this year it'll be the fewest Number of sermon series I've ever preached that since I've since I've been preaching, and I am thinking, wow, three we did. I think five last year. We're going to do three this year. We've been looking at Jesus, who he is. We're looking at what he says, his stories, and now we're going. To, and then eventually we're going to be looking at Jesus with the people. How did he treat people, and what can we imitate there? And I just marvel at these stories he tells and they make you think they make make you look and they want us to look he wants us to look at ourselves now we've been looking at these parables in chronological order now for several weeks this is our 10th week 10th <laughs> week and and uh, today i want to break away from the chronological order and i want to skip to the end and look at a look at a parable that jesus used the story he told near the it was the, the during the last week of his life on earth before he was crucified Probably during the Passion Week, it was around a Tuesday or a Wednesday when he told these stories. And you'll find these stories in Matthew chapter 21. And if you've got a Bible and you'd like to turn there, I'm going to read more than what the PowerPoint's going to give you. We're going to start reading in in Matthew 21 here. And I'm going to start reading in verse uh, 23. And then uh, you're going to, I think the PowerPoint picks it up from 28 to um, 32. Verse 23, chapter 21 of the book of Matthew. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? And if you back up and look, you'll find that Jesus drove a bunch of guys out of, out of the temple. He drove, took a whip to them. You know, it had a, I guess they were having a Tupperware party or something, and he had to get them out of the temple. And so he runs them out. And uh, everybody 's like marvels at this, and he, of course he does this to fulfill scripture. it talks about he talks about uh, Isaiah talked about zeal for his house, and so this is the the lord 's house, and the Lord is there, the temple, and he 's not happy with what he sees he he uh, he He uh, curses a tree, a fig tree, so he 's doing these things in the temple area, so they 're asking where do you get the authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, then he's going to ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we're afraid of the people. For they they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And he answered, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. See, they knew. You ever done that? Somebody's having a discussion with you, and they're right about something. Well, what do you think of that? And you go, you don't like it? You know they're right? So you say, I don't know. Why are we that way? Why are we so stubborn like that? I I don't know when we do know. And Jesus knew they knew. And he he said, look, I'm not going to tell you either. You're not going to tell me? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Then he tells a story. He says, what do you think of this? What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not. He answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. Here's another vineyard story with another vineyard. He planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. If you want to know more about... He's repeating a, a book, the book of Isaiah chapter 5, by the way. He's referring to Isaiah chapter 5 as he's telling this story. And these Pharisees and chief priests and elders of the city of the people know he's talking from the book of Isaiah. It says, uh, it says here, Then he rented a vineyard and with some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent, sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said, but when the tenants saw the son... They said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He's asking these guys, what, what should the owner do to these guys? And look how they answer this. He'll bring those wretches to a wretched end." they replied, and he, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the Scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in your eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and he who on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' Jesus' parables they knew he was talking about them you know it's important to know that when Jesus is talking in a parable that they knew he was talking about them and maybe today he wants you to know he's talking to you too through this same parable he wants you to see something here it says they looked for a way to arrest him but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet and so here we have Jesus. He clears the temple. And after he clears out the temple and as he curses a fig tree, these guys are challenging his authority. What's this, what's this parable about? What's this really all about? You know, Jesus is straightforward here. He doesn't wince words. He doesn't waste time. Okay? He just makes it very clear what this parable is about. And this parable is about two things. I know I've got on the screen I want to have one thing. But I'm telling you what I noticed as I was teaching it in the back. That this parable is about two things. It's about God's authority and my obedience. If you want to know what this parable is about, it's about God's authority and my obedience. And more specifically, it is about my obedience. In Proverbs 21 verse 3, here's what the Bible says in in this this, uh, Bible up here on the screen. Look Look what Proverbs says. Doing what is right and fair is more important than sacrifice. The Bible says it's more important. What I do, obedience, I think it also, the Bible says this, obedience is more important than sacrifice. That was said to King Saul by Samuel, that obedience is more important than sacrifice. Man, that's pretty important when you stop and think about it. Because sacrifice is very important to God. It's so important. He sacrificed his son so you and I could be Christians, so we could be saved. So sacrifice is very important. But let me tell you something that's a notch above that. Obedience. I want obedience more than sacrifice. Why? Why is my obedience so important to God? That's what I want to look at here. We're We're going to really focus on this parable of the two sons, and I'll make reference to the parable of the tenants as we go here, okay? First of all, my obedience confirms what I believe. Why is it important to God? It confirms what I believe. You want to know if somebody, what they really believe, look at what they do, not what they say. Don't just hear what they say. Look at what they do, and you find out what they really, really believe. Two sons are told to go to work in his vineyard. You know, it's funny. God wants all of his children working in the kingdom, working in the vineyard. And he says it to all of them, but he gets two different responses. And there's basically only two to be given. When God asks you to do something. One emphatically says, no, I will not go. And when you look, at, look, the back, look up the background behind this phrase, no, I will not go, it's, it's rude and disrespectful. This son is saying, he's got an attitude. He goes, I'm not going, no way. But he changes his mind. He changes his mind. And the Bible says, I love this, the Bible says, he went. He didn't keep talking. He didn't say anything else. It says he did something. He went. And his actions spoke louder than his words. I want to say a few things to you here as I look at this here. The way we make up for for things that we neglect is not more words. If I've neglected something that God wants me to do to make up for it, talking about it isn't going to do it. Hello? Talking about it is not a waste of time. I must do something about it. I must do something about it. And by the way, let me say something else about this I notice here. It's not how you start, but how you finish that matters. Did you catch that? I don't know how, how you were when you come out of the water. You may have fell out like a starting gate. You may have messed up immediately. Or, or maybe you messed up a week or two or a month or two or a year or two later. And you know, all, all I can tell you is you know, it doesn't matter how you start. This guy says no to his father, but he changes his mind. He says no, and by the way, some of you might be here, maybe this kind of person, you, you refuse. You say no to God all the time. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't have to do that. Don't tell me about giving money. Don't tell me about giving my time. Don't, no, I don't have to, to, to forgive that person. No, I don't have to work in this particular way or deal with this person or, or love this person. And you've been saying no a long time. I want to tell you. All right. But I know some of you here, you changed your mind, didn't you? There was a man sitting in this auditorium. I'd say, you want to come to small group? No, I'm not coming. Are you sure? Nope, not coming. Every week. Hey, we're having small group. Want to come? Nope. And then I said the magic words. Sucrest is having a pie. He went, what? Did you say Sucrest and pie? Yeah. Because Sucrest can make incredible desserts. I think she's making a cake and some other desserts. When is it? Where is it? I'll be there. We sit around the circle, and we're talking. And, of course, you know, people begin to talk. And I'm not trying to knock anybody here, you know, if you're this kind of person. But, you know, sometimes I do it myself. Somebody asks me what time it is, and I'll explain how the watch works. How's it going? Well, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking over this guy and he's going, oh man, you know, when's it going to end? We you hear your story. Okay, move on. I want to get to the pie. He doesn't miss anymore. He changed his mind. He changed his mind. No, no. Maybe. Okay, and how often have we said, no, I'm never going to believe that. No, I won't accept that. I've done that. Oh, man. Oh, I'm not going to... No, I don't believe that. That's ridiculous. What now? Let me think about that. Huh. Maybe there's something there. Okay. God gives you and I the time to change, doesn't He? And by the way, you're not the only person that says no and changes your mind. The people in your life, there's people in your life right now that are saying no. What do I do with them, Tim? They just keep saying no, 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 no. You be patient with them because, Lord willing, you keep praying for them, you keep serving them, you keep showing them what it means to be a Christian, they will change their mind. They will change their mind. No doesn't always mean no. This two weeks ago, we had a. We're working with seven to ten year olds. You have to have a big staff to work between with ages seven. You know, uh, high school, junior high, you have to have a staff just to make sure they don't get into mischief. But these kids, don't; they, they just get into mess. They get into things, okay? They don't take showers. We had a kid wear all of his underwear one day, all of them. We don't know why. They were brand new. But he looked like he was on, had depends on or something. He was just really walking around like that. Well, in one of the cabins, in cabin one, there was a boy named Devin there. And in this cabin, my son happened to be the uh, cabin counselor along with James Mitchell and Joe McKenzie. It's a great combination. And all of a sudden, they come to me and go, oh, we're having trouble with Devin. What's going on? Devin's a handful. Oh, what's he doing? Well, what's he doing? He's, he's, got an act, he's saying things. Well, what's he saying? Well, I can't really tell you what he's saying, but he's saying stuff. Well, okay. Can we narrow it down? What is he, what's he, cussing? Oh, he just, he just, he rolls his eyes. And he goes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh. Okay. Well, what's going on? I don't know what to do with him. And so they were deciding they were going to put him in cabin number four. Well, the problem with cabin number four is there are no campers in cabin number four. (laughs) I have one counselor in cabin number four. Paul Mariolis. (laughs) Paul, I didn't say anything. I just said your name. (laughs) Ex-Marine, hoorah! Right after this devotional about how wonderful things are and God's good and be, you know, He wants to fill your cup and all this stuff. I see Paul in the corner going, "You're going to be bunking with me, buddy, and we're going to be working in the kitchen together." And you see this kid going, "Huh?" <laughs> I go, Nathan, Nathan, what's going on here? Well, we, he's saying stuff. What's he saying? Well, he's ah and and you know stuff, rolling his eyes, walking away. I'm going. You know, I couldn't help but think about this parable. Okay, you got a kid that's talking one way, but what's he doing? Does he go to his bunk? Yeah. Does he go to sleep? Yeah. Does he eat his food? Yeah. I talked to Jill Doopy, a team leader. His first year for Jill as a counselor, she was amazing. Amazing. And I go, Jill, Devin's on your team. Oh, yeah, what is it? Oh, how's he doing? I mean, come on, you can be up front with me. Well, he kind of goes, and he kind of goes, and he rolls his eyes. But he always does what we tell him to do. He participates. He plays in the sports. He gets in the cheers. He's, you know, he's all talk. And I went, okay. So I go to Nathan. Nathan, I don't know, maybe we ought to keep him in your cabin. Well, ever since he saw Paul, he's been doing great. You know, so (laughs) Paul did the job. I guess. I mean, but I notice this about Jesus. He's not paying attention to. He's. I'm not saying that. that, that, Do my words matter? Of course, my words matter. We're going to be held accountable for every careless word we say. The Bible says that. But is that what this parable? He's saying. You know, it's not your words that I'm so concerned about. It's what you do. What you're doing. Because you can say one thing and then change your mind. In fact, both these sons change their minds. Have you noticed that? The second one, he says, yes, sir. He's respectful and kind. Work in my vineyard. Yes, sir. Be right there. And does he go? He changes his mind. And he doesn't go. He doesn't follow through. Now, i got a question I want to ask you. Is he lying? Is this son lying to his father? I don't think so. I think he has good intentions. I think he wants to, you know, yes, you want me to work in your vineyard? Absolutely. But something happens. I don't know. Maybe the willingness begins to kind of weaken when he sees all the work. Because working in the vineyard is hard work. Something changes. Something happens. He doesn't go. And then Jesus, he's, he, he looks at this guy and says, you know, his intentions are good, but he's not, he's not really practicing what he's preaching. And so he asks this question which of the two did what his father wanted? And I want you to notice something here in this passage here in verse thirty one. Jesus is most concerned about those who talk one way but don't do. They don't follow through. And I gotta tell you, church, you ever been there? I mean, I have I, I my intentions are good and I wanna do what's right and I yes, I'll be there, or I'll make a promise to somebody, or I'll make a promise to God. I'll make a vow with a woman that I marry, and then that part about says um, for better, for worse, I just never thought about that worse part. Yeah. I was just thinking it'd be better. I'm out of the house, you know, I'm with some I got somebody to cook. It's gotta be better. But I never think about the worse or for the poorer sickness. You don't feel well. No, I don't feel good. Why are you always sick? Right now, Jackie, you know, Jackie's on her feet a little bit of what I understand. Right, Tom? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, this is awesome. She's home? She's not home yet. Okay. Okay. I called up Tom, and I'm talking to him, and I hear her in the background talking. I'm going, oh, my gosh, it's Jackie's voice. I thought it was so cool. And just to think about just a couple of weeks ago where she was, wow. I think they're crucifying some Christians in the back there. I never thought we, we're in a different sector of the building. What's the deal here? So, oh, well. But isn't that cool? I mean, that's just so cool to see that. Jesus is very concerned about those who say one thing but do another. In fact, that's his parable, is swinging around and sneaking up on these Pharisees. They're objective right now because they think the story's about somebody else. Little do they know, it's coming right at them. And so he goes on to say this in verse 32. I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering, entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. You guys are supposed to be leading the way. You're not. They are. How? What's the difference? How come they're getting in the kingdom and they're ahead of us? We should be leading the way in the kingdom. These guys, they took care of the temple. They took care of religious society. They're Pharisees. They're chief priests. They're the elders of the people. They're the decision makers. And they're behind, way behind. They're not even in the kingdom. He goes, here's why. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him you didn't believe him what do you mean we didn't believe you didn't believe him but the tax collectors and the prostitutes now they did and even after you saw this saw what you saw them believing what did he see what did the pharisees see what did the chief priest see in the tax collector and the prostitute they saw repentance they saw response You can't see faith without something, without doing something. They did something. They responded with repentance. And like the first son, they've been saying no, 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 no to God for for generations. No, no, no. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. But then here comes the gospel and they realize though they've initially been in wrong and they're wrong and they're initially saying no, they don't want to be in no anymore. They want to be in yes. And though they were, their lives were in something about wrong, they saw no reason to continue in the wrong, so they changed their minds about Jesus. The gospel touches them, and they say yes. Does what I say matter? Absolutely. But let me tell you, what you and I do matters more to God. What you do matters. Both the sons, their words did not count. You hear me? Both sons, the one that said, yes, sir, didn't count. The one that said, no, sir, praise God, didn't count. If you've said no to God, it ain't going to be counted against you if you change your mind. Ain't not that awesome? Huh. Praise God. Because I've said no so many times. No, I'm not going to treat Denise that way. No, I don't want to treat, I don't want to do that. I want to serve her. You want me to do what with my money, Lord? I don't want to do that. You want me to do what with my time? I don't have time for that, Lord. No, I know. Look, somebody else is going to have to do it. I just have time to share my faith or invite that person or invest my time and life into this person. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for not listening to my words and giving me time to change my mind. We've all been there. I bet some of you have been saying no to God here this week. And the good news is you're about to change your mind. You dirty dog. You're going to change your mind. That's awesome. And, that, and, and by the way, not, not, only does, not only does God commend it, but the people around you see it too. And they're, they're, they're influenced by that. See, I can talk, I can have all the nice... The, I can sound like I'm committed, sound like I'm convicted, sound like I'm churchified, you know, but that doesn't mean I'm justified. I can say, I can know the songs and I can sing out... And by the way, there was some beautiful singing this morning. And I can say, how you doing, and grin, and drink coffee, and, and have a great time, but I get out of my car and a grin disappears. And I can go back to who I really am. Those words are empty. Why is that? Because, listen, listen to me. Because what you and I do says it all. Actions do speak louder than words. James chapter 2, verse 18 in the International Children's Bible says this, I will show you my faith by the things I do. You know, Bruno Mars, don't believe me, just watch. That's what he's saying. You want to see faith? You don't believe me? Just watch me. Watch what I do. Why? Because what I do, it confirms what I believe. Now, here's the question you've got to ask yourself this morning. What are your actions? Ask yourself this, what are my actions really saying about my faith? Based on what I'm doing, what are they what's it really saying about where I what I really believe, where I really am? Because the words, the words you say don't matter as much as the things you do. Faith is not an emotion and it's not based on words, it's based on action. Number two, my faith acknowledges God's authority. Or my obedience acknowledges God's authority. That's the second thing. That's why it's so important. You know, the Pharisees and the chief priests are asking Jesus, hey, where'd you get this authority? That's what it says there in verse 23. Where'd you get this authority? Who gave you the authority? Now, I had it said this way, I thought it was very interesting. You know, there's times I get confused to where my authority is. Like, I may have some authority at home, but that doesn't mean I have authority at McDonald's. One time, Denise and I, we had our boys were a little bitty. We're in the playground at East Alton. They're taking their shoes off. Remember those little cubby holes they put them in? And then they go play in the playground. And they're playing. Well, there's one little kid that's a brat. I don't know who it is. But he's a cussing. And he's pulling stuff and throwing stuff. And I'm getting ready to go after him. I'm getting my belt. I've had it. And then he's... All of a sudden, I what? what are you doing? What are you doing? That's a kid. He's out of line. He's a whooping. It's not your kid. And this is McDonald's. Use your head, Tim. I'll call the cops. What are you trying to say? You don't have any authority here. Ronald McDonald does, but you don't. A clown has authority here, but you don't. You can maybe do that at home, but you can't do that here. And see Jesus is coming along and they're going, "Where do you get the idea that you can do whatever you want? Who do you think you are coming in here and whooping everybody out of here and cursing things and You're not a priest. You're not even a levite. You're a carpenter's son. And who gave you that authority? Jesus is answering. He answers. He says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story to remind you. And I'll tell you, and I think he's doing this. He turns this around to say, let me tell you who I am while I'm telling you who you really are. And he uses terms like sons and fathers and landowners and tenants. Look at verse 28 here. The, there was a man who had two sons. He was a father of two sons. And verse 31. Which of the two did what his father wanted? In verse 33, look what it says here in verse 33. and you, I don't know if you get it up on the notes or not. But listen to another parable. It says there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. And he rents it to tenants. There's this idea, of fa- he goes, let me tell you who I am. I'm a father, and you're a son. I'm a landowner, and you're a tenant. You're renting. You're a renter. I own the house. I own the farm. And see, guys, when I obey God, this is so simple, but sometimes maybe we forget this. When I obey God, I'm accepting His authority as my God if that's true then when i refuse i'm rejecting his authority whenever i come up against some situation in life and god weighs in and here's what the word says and i say i'm not doing that you're not just refusing the word of god you're refusing the authority of god you're insulting his sovereignty In the parable, of the tenants. You remember what those guys did? They they beat up the the, the uh, servants that were sent, stoned them, killed them. I wonder who those people were. You ever I think about that? There's an equivalent to the parable. I wonder. And, and they kept being sent again and again, and these guys, these tenants, kept killing them. Could these be the prophets? Absolutely. Well, then I'll send my son. Surely they won't. They'll they'll respect my son and Jesus is telling these guys I know what's going to happen to me by the end of the week you're going to kill me so what happens when they send the son what do the tenants say they say here's our chance to get what huh the inheritance what's the inheritance control Here's our chance. If we can get Jesus out of the way, then I can have and do whatever I want. And people, listen, folks have been trying to get Jesus out of the way for generations. Man, if I could just, I had people say to me, ever since I've become a Christian, it seems like things are worse. They're not better, they're tougher. And if I could just get rid of Jesus, then maybe my life would be better. And there's some people that have left God thinking it's going to be better. And guys, it will be better in some ways. But not for always. Let me ask you, are you one of those kind of people, if I could just get Jesus out of this situation, I want to change the topic, get Jesus out of this marriage, get Jesus out of this working situation, get Jesus out of this how I feel about something or this relationship, get Jesus out of my morals, then I I could have my own authority, see, and do what I want. Do you understand that when we're rejected... Guys, when God says... And listen, i have learned something here myself. And that is, as I'm tempted... I, you and I have a choice as we're tempted. And that choice is whether to do right or wrong. But it's also whether to accept the authority of God or reject it. And he's saying here... This father is saying to his son, Work in my my vineyard, work in the vineyard, no, but changes his mind, work in my vineyard, yes but changes his mind, and doesn't go, and he says, which one which one is the one that pleased his God, pleased his father, did what his father wanted, it was the one who changed his mind he says, you're not those people, that's what he tells these Pharisees, you're not these chief priests, you're not you're the second son, you're the son that says, I will, but won't won't follow through And therefore, they're rejecting the authority of God. Guys, when I reject what God says, wherever it shows up in our lives, it's a moment where I'm going to become an atheist if I'm not careful. I throw my faith out the window. Look what Jesus said. He said it this way in Luke 6. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you? I think every time I see this patch I think about Open Range. I know some of you have seen that movie Open Range. Remember Kevin Costner Annette Benning and she's still pretty. Still a pretty girl. Remember in that and he comes to that town they shoot him up kill everyone. you know big bang big gunfight and he's now at the end of the movie they get marri- they're, they're getting they get married and he's starting to go take the cattle back you know to wherever one last drive and he's going to come back. And she's with him and they're way out of town and he looks at her and says, Now it's time for you to go back home. And she looks at him. This woman has, you know, all her life been self sufficient, all of her life, took care of herself, and she's looking at him like, Really? You're gonna tell me what to do? And she kinda of grins like You know, you know my brother's a doctor and I've took care I know how to take care of myself. And just kind of laughs and such grace, handles it such grace. And he looks at her and goes, How's this going to work if you don't do what I say? I wonder sometimes if Jesus looks at you and I sometimes and goes, How's this going to work, Tim, if you don't do what I say? It isn't going to work. And, And folks, I pray that I can handle it gracefully. And go, Of course. You're Lord, I'm not. Of course, you're the Father, I'm the Son. Of course, you're the landowner and I'm just a tenant. I'll gladly, I'll gladly do that because you say so, because you are God. There's a third thing I notice here, and that is that my obedience, why is it so important? My obedience determines my future. It has a big impact on my future. You know, Jesus brings the story of the two sons and the story of the tenants to a sobering conclusion. He says in the story of the two sons, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Does that sound good? To the Pharisee? To the religious? Why are you saying it? I'm telling you that that the harlots... And the crooked tax collectors are getting in the kingdom ahead of you because they have a different attitude than you do. And they're missing the kingdom. You understand? They attend temple regularly. They're, they're around religious stuff all the time. But they're missing the kingdom is that a little scary to you? It scares me to death. That we could be going to church all of our life and miss the most important thing of all. The kingdom of God. Why, why are you guys, you're supposed to be lead the way. Why are you missing it? Same reason anybody would miss it. They're stubborn. And they refuse to surrender. And Jesus says in that parable of the tenants something like this, he says, "You know what? you guys remember, you ever remember that passage that talks about the cornerstone or the capstone that, that there's going to be a people that reject it. Well let me tell you what I'm going to do with that stone that you've thrown away. You're building something. You're building you're building something. you get to this stone. oh this'll, this'll fit my agenda. This don't fit my blueprint. Off it goes. And he goes over and says, "This stone that you rejected, me." I'm going to build something else. And the kingdom of God is going to be ripped from you. And when you check your history out, church, you find 70 A.D. it was ripped by General Titus of the Roman army. And just, I mean, leveled Jerusalem. Today, on the temple site stands a mosque, not a temple. And Jesus builds another temple made of living stones, and they're called Christians. Tim, are you saying the Jews are lost? I'm saying, no, the Jews, the Jews can find Christ if they'll just change their mind just like you and I changed ours. It's sobering. Jesus said these words, Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of God. In other words, it isn't what you say. But only people who will enter are those who do what my Father in heaven wants. And my future, your future. My future is in my hands and your future is in your hands. You know, it's one of the things I love about Jesus here in these two stories. He lets you and I choose. He still lets, gives you the power and the freedom to choose. And he's telling these guys, You choose your future. Let me read some other scriptures as I close here. Let me read some other scriptures that are not, I don't think they're up on the screen. They're in your Bible, though, okay? That that matters, okay? Let me read some to you that I think really, um, I feel, encourage me. First one's found in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23. Oh, they're up here. Obey me, and I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you you know when you obey God will bless your life he will bless your life look what he says in Psalms 119 verse 2 happy are those who keep his rules who try to obey him with their whole heart you want to bless life I want you to know it. you get to choose and this interesting here's a very interesting passage in Isaiah 1 and this is the message look what it says if you're willing if you willingly obey you'll feast like kings but if you're willful and stubborn you'll die like dogs Wow. I get to choose. You get to choose. You choose your future by what you do today. What do you mean by today, Tim? Well, look at this. Look what, look what the Bible says here. Let's go back and look at this next passage. This is in uh, First or, uh, Matthew chapter 12. It says, Look what the Father says. Son, go and work today in the vineyard. He says, go and work today. I want you to notice work today, vineyard. He says, son, this is not a request. He's not asking, would you do that? Some of you guys, some of you dads, would you mow the lawn? Where'd you get what's that? Asking your kids to mow the lawn. You tell them to mow the lawn. What do you mean asking them? Would you would you care to mow the lawn today? You can't you feel rumbly and you're tumbly. oh Man, I was a kid. You're mowing the lawn today. Dot, dot, dot. Or die. I know. I got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. You know, this is not a request. This isn't, you know, this isn't asking for a favor. He says, son, and, and listen to me. Listen to me. This is something I think is phenomenal for me. God appeals to your relationship with Him. Out of His love for you as a son and daughter, and He hopes you'll respond out of love for Him, love to, as a son and daughter to a father, He says, go and work today. I need you to do something. This, this, I don't even know, guys listen, I don't even know if Jesus was trying to say this in this parable. I want to make it clear. But I just noticed this. God wants me to do something now. He wants me to do something today. I can't, I can't do it yesterday. It's too late. I can't do it tomorrow. It's not here yet. All I've got is today. And I'm not, again, maybe I'm making this parable say a little bit more here than it should. But it sounds to me like he's saying, I've got stuff my kids, I have to have my kids do. I need them to do. All my sons, he had two, all of them were, all of them were told, work in the vineyard. If you want to look at some other additional passages, Jeremiah 2.21, you can write these down. Jeremiah 2.21, Hosea 10, verse 1, and Isaiah 5, especially verse 7, talks of, compares the vineyard, the sweet grapes of the vineyard, to God's people. And I want to ask you a question this morning: What do you think God wants you to do wants you to, to do today right now? Read this, I thought this was kind of interesting. He said a lot of people become Christians like getting out of a storm, and I thought that was so cool. it was raining You know we, we become Christians because I want to get out of that junk that hardship, all that stuff, you know the, like a storms of life, I want to get out of them, okay. But he says but he said this once inside though they want to stand around and look out and watch it rain God doesn't call us to watch but to work He calls you to do something today What's his vineyard Tim are you is my family by vineyard well, yeah, you could say you're, you're the family, the vineyard of God is your family, but it's not limited to your family. Maybe you need to do something in your family. Granted. But it's not limited to your family. Well, maybe God wants me to do something with my, my work, my occupation. What about that? Where I work? Absolutely. God wants you to reach out to that co-worker. God wants you to work hard and be, set a good example. Of course that's true. That's something to do. But it's not limited to your occupation. Oh, you're talking about the church, Tim. Well, God wants you to work in the church. Absolutely. There's all kinds of things we need done around here. All kinds of things mean, need to be done in, in the congregation. But I'm here to tell you that it's not limited just to the church. The kingdom of God is bigger than the congregation. The kingdom of God makes up, it's made up of people. Of people. And the Pharisees and the chief priests would not work with the people. So I got a feeling whatever you're called to do today, whatever you find God calling you to do today, nudging you today, it's probably going to relate to a person. So what do you need to do today is to help somebody, serve somebody, support somebody, pray with somebody walk through something with somebody maybe somebody needs some money maybe somebody needs some companionship maybe maybe somebody just needs encouragement and cheer somebody needs forgiven look at Psalms 119 here whatever it be look at look at look at this look at this guy's desire as soon as you command, I do what you say. What an attitude to have. Lord, as soon as you say it, I'm on it. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm, I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to do it right now. It, should I, some of you here, is it about becoming a Christian? God commands you. You know what the Bible says? I need to do this, I need to make that commitment. As, why not today? if if it's if it's, if it's dealing with a relationship or a moral issue, deal with it today because you don't have tomorrow and you don't have yesterday. So let me just ask you what will you do? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond as the father asks you to work in his vineyard? It matters. it matters. You have a card. If some of you have a card, I don't think all of you do, but there is a response card. Uh, If you want to respond to this lesson with a prayer request or a decision you want to make, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to sing a song, let you fill out that card. And then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards along with our regular contribution. And may God bless you. May God bless you with the desire to change your mind and say yes to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Father, these stories, these stories are just overwhelming. And Father, I, I think how often we question Your authority when we should just honestly just shut up and follow. And Lord, I pray that, you, that we'll have the heart, the heart of Your disciples that will just uh, surrender. Father, what we do, does it matter more than what we say? And if it does, Father... What do each of us need to do here this morning, Lord? We pray you give us the, each of us here what we need to do to confirm something we believe, or as we look at what we're doing, Lord, let us help us be objective and see what actions we're doing that that, that don't represent the kind of faith we need to have. That they represent more about worry and fear and pride. And selfishness, Lord, help us just just uh, reveal that to us, Father. We want we want to trust you. And help us have those actions that'll will carry that and confirm that, Lord. Father, have we have we rejected your authority? Have we taken something your word says, Lord, and even though we know what it says, we just have a problem with it and we, we just kind of shelve it and put it off the shelf, Father, thinking that you you know you're you're gonna have no problem with that. And Lord, help us see that we're rejecting your authority. We don't really trust you when we do that oh give us the the desire the power the courage the faith to trust you in these matters where your word is dealing with something very difficult very difficult and Father I pray that our obedience that we'll think about what we need to do that will make our future secure and in your kingdom Father, I know there's lots of sick folks. I know Jackie is re- recovering right now. And Father, I know that um, got a name of uh, Susan Jeers, Father, who's who's been told she may not even make it through the week. And Father, I pray that we pray for people like this that are sick, that are maybe near death's door, that their hearts are right with You, Father. You know You're going to do what You see fit, what we would love for You to make these two women well. We'd ask you to do that. Father, we know you'll, We know that uh, you consider what we, we pray about here. Father, I pray that you'll help us be people who won't watch it rain, but will actually do something. And not let our mouth be the main thing, but our ministry be the main thing about our faith. And most of all, God, give us this desire that says, as soon as we see it, we do it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.